everyone. Welcome back to the Painted Jungle Podcast. My name is Ted. I'm joined by my co-host, Jung Kim, as you can see beautifully there on the screen. Um, today we have a very special guest. Um, oh, I guess Jung, I don't let you talk. I know. Yeah, you're just kind of keep going. <laughs> usually, I, yeah, usually I say I, something, but... I'm Jung. Nice to meet you again. Okay. Um, <laughs> my camera is not working for some reason today, but that would not stop us today. Uh, today we have a wonderful guest, special guest. We have Pastor Mike joining Ooh. us today. Welcome, welcome. Um, yeah, to give a context, he was our guest speaker for youth group winter retreat that we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, and we're Ted and I were just kind of sitting at a coffee shop and going, oh man, we got to record a podcast this week. And then he's like, oh, we got to get a guest. We should try to get a guest. And who, who, you suggested it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I had mentioned because I wanted to reach out to P. Mike regardless after the retreat just to just to talk and like had some questions on my mind, but didn't get to um, have a discussion at the retreat. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, P. Mike, why don't you just quickly introduce yourself to those that don't know and we'll get started. All right. Um, yeah, um, I'm actually from California, but now I'm living in New Jersey. And I've been a youth pastor for the past 10 years. Uh, and I took a year off last year, all 2021, to just kind of reflect and just process a lot of, you know, ups and downs of ministry for the past 10 years. And starting in 2022, which is we're like, what, 19 days in now, um, mm -hmm. I'm starting to just kind of prayerfully get ready to get back into ministry wherever the Lord sends me. But other than that, I just, I'm just another dude. <laughs> I like, obviously, God and stuff, but um, teaching the Bible and also, like, hobbies are, like, jujitsu or even gaming. Yes, I, I play games, and it's not of the devil unless you make it be, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, yeah, other than that, there's not much. Other than that, just hard chilling in Jersey right now, just getting ready for ministry again. No, yeah, that's awesome. For those of you that don't know, um, Pastor Mike is a homegrown SKPC alumni, as a P. Rich, our our current the Vine pastor, likes to say. Um, so he grew up at our church. Was it since youth group time, or were you in elementary ministry as well? Like, how long were you at SK? Yeah, I was there since uh, probably when I was like a baby, almost. Oh yeah, um, wow. it's pretty much my whole life up until up until like. So I went. I went there since elementary. I graduated. Then I went to UC Davis, right? And I ended up pretty much serving at a local church there, and kind of pop in once in a while to SK. But pretty much my whole young adult, young life, teenage life, I was at U in SK. Mm. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. You um. You told us that um. That you had a, you were, what is you call your your class a pretty, quote unquote, like bad class growing up at SK? Yeah, we were terrible, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like, I'm surprised I'm a pastor right now. <laughs> and that kind of shows you that God calls whoever he freaking wants. But like, um, as I said in the retreat, there was a moment where we were so rambunctious and where we actually made one of our teachers cry. Yeah. And but she came back. She kept investing into us, which was the astonishing part, right? But that goes to show like 
presence matters uh, because it really shapes a life, whether you see it, the fruit of it immediately or not. Most often case you don't, but it was something where we were, we used to roast each other constantly. And it wasn't like we bullied one particular kid. Everyone got a fair share of roast. It's like a, everyone got one every Sunday, right? It's yeah. just like we rotated. But we were just so loud, like unruly. And it was just, we were a menace. But surprisingly, we turned out okay. Most of us. At least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as they say. Um, now my, 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 my thought process, like every time you bring up stories from old youth group days is like, man, how is Pastor Richard like, like truly? Like, I think he's, he's shared a good amount that like, oh, like, you know, when I was in youth group, I was a troublemaker as well. But I feel like you're, you've got more in, into the detail of like, like the actual things you guys mm. did that Pierce was maybe too scared to share because when you guys grew up together and everything. But um, yeah, that's crazy. So after you left Sacramento, um, you went to San Diego for a bit. Is that right? SoCal first? No, actually. So after Sacramento, well, if we're including college, I went to Davis. Davis, right. And I stayed there for like five and a half years, I think. Um, I stayed, no, maybe, maybe even six. I forget. Cause I, I took five years to graduate. Um, and then I took maybe like a year to stay, just to keep serving at the church that I was serving at in college. And then from there, uh, I eventually moved down to San Diego. Then I lived, and then I moved over to like the Point and Park, LA area, La Mirada. Right. And then from there, I went over all the way to like the East Coast. Hmm. What What did you major? What did you study? And when you were in Davis? Yeah, I studied actually neurobio. <laughs> so I have a degree in uh, neurobio that I don't use at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Thankfully, college was free for me, so amen. Oh, wow. Mm. Like, as in, like, scholarship and stuff? Yeah, it was a, so it, it's not, I know I say it just to, you know, make myself a little, a little bit better, but the reality is it wasn't because I was super smart. Uh, it was a mixture of scholarship, grants, and um, low income. So it was, it, was like, it was a mixture of all three. Mm-hmm. So it eventually came out to be where it was, like, free. Hmm. Was that neurobiology? Was that something that you always had interest in, like ever since you were little? <laughs> no, actually. So I went in undeclared, and, but uh-huh. I, I was undeclared sciences because that's, you know, my mom wanted me to become a doctor. Mm. And so in your sec, roughly your second year, they, they make you choose a major. They like kind of harass you. Hey, you need to pick right. something. Yeah. And so I was like, I totally forgot the deadline was like this. It was the day of the deadline. I didn't realize. I was like, oh, crap. I need to pick a major. So I just opened the course catalog, and I just picked one that sounded, like, cool. And I picked <laughs> the that hardest one. I should have just picked general bio. But I was like, no, neurobio sounds brain. No, sounds yeah. cool. No, <laughs> and so, I, yeah, neurobio major. It's intense. <laughs> yeah. It's not – you know, the thing is, undergrad neurobio is – well, there was an official name for that, Davis, which is, it doesn't matter, just pretty much neurobio. It sounds intense, but in reality, it's really, it's, it's just bio. It's, I mean, you're not going to get like super intense into it. It's interesting, but right. I, I personally believe if you put enough effort, you, anyone can do it. Mm. Um, I know some people are like saying, no, you're wrong. <laughs> um, maybe, but I, I don't think you can do it, anyone, or at least a good majority of the population. 
Yeah, Ted, move over to bio. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ted's, <laughs> a, Wait, Ted's Ted, a computer science. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in computer science, so I've gotten my fair share of, you know, like hard courses and stuff, but like Jung and most of the other brothers at church are all in like the bio, oh. you know, like outside, like natural science region. So I, I'm like a lone wolf. Me and like one other brother at church are the only engineering actually for the what do you mean part. lone wolf i think two most popular major is computer science and biology but i mean frankly like at our church not really right i think like recently maybe just in our group of church members it's a lot of different kinds of biology so like yeah like regular biology um i know like someone did like bioengineering as well um, biotech mm. i know there's a big one at davis too um so yeah i mean for the most part like i think that um i've i've witnessed the brothers studying a lot together and i'll just hear like coding and like doing, doing my own thing for the most part um but i mean speaking of school like uh davis where you went to um and did campus ministry as well right um, yeah. so we have yeah. some friends um that go to davis included and they uh don't go to the same ministry but kind of uh, how was your experience like at that um like college ministry because i know like a lot of kids that um, go from youth group into um, college they mm -hmm. kind of feel like a really big shift right and change in like the way they serve even like attend church in general so um what was that experience like for you yeah um it's different i mean i know it's not i from what i'm hearing it's not what it used to be like when I was there. Uh, and because I went to Davis back in the day, like I'm talking like 2004 to 2009. I know some, I don't know what your demographic of listeners are. Mm -hmm. Some of them haven't even been born yet. So it kind of dates me a little bit. But actually, my first year, uh, I wanted to transfer out actually. I was so lonely because my best friend at the time, um, he ended up getting a girlfriend. And so I, like the first week of school, oh, <laughs> he ended up getting a girlfriend and he just disappeared. <laughs> first year, first week, trapped. Yeah, yeah. first week gone. Yeah. Like, and it, it, that's an, that's a story in of itself. But um, so I was pretty much by myself most of the time, and so for me, I was like, dude, I kind of wanted like a hard reset. And I was actually thinking about going to NYU, transferring to NYU. Oh, really? But then I think it was like my second quarter that uh, I decided to check out. Uh, Mustard Seed Ministry, MSN, which is affiliated to DKC. Yeah. Again, I don't know what the actual condition of it now is, but back in the day, uh, it was the Korean American Christian Fellowship on campus. Like all the Koreans pretty much went there. Um, and it actually was the place where God met me and I became saved, even though I grew up in the church. And so it, it was weird because when you. When you, I went out to youth group, you obviously went to church maybe on a Sunday, if Friday, if you're feeling extra holy, right? But the transition became more of a lifestyle when I went to DKC MSM, where the brothers and sisters that you, you know worship with, even serve with, you tend to also live with. Right, yeah. And not only do you have school together, but you have ministry together, you live together. And next thing you know, you're starting to do life together. Like you see each other almost every day yeah. in some capacity. And so what's interesting, I don't know if it's not the same like now, but it's this thing where in college, I realized 
you learn what it means to live life with people, especially if you're in a ministry with Christian people and you're trying to figure it out together. And I think that's like a an interesting model that is very specific to that college years because you're not going to necessarily do that as much in your young adult years. Maybe if you have roommates, but as you get older, you obviously people get married and have their families, and you split off. Yeah, and you that's when you go back to I see them maybe once a week, twice a week. But college is like you're almost there every day with each other, right? And it's a I'll never go back to it, but. Um, it I really loved it. It was amazing. Right. No, I agree. I think like, even for me too, like, um, cause I'm about to graduate. I'm in my fifth year as well. Um, so like in the past, you know, four or five years, like I, my only friends are my church friends. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see anyone else. I'm not really close to anyone at school. Um, but I'm sure, especially if you're like living on, were you living on campus at Davis or were you commuting? from oh yeah um in davis you only get to live on campus your first year and then they kick you out right and so there's a lot of apartments around the campus right so we all ended up living in the apartment complexes right so yeah i mean you were still like at the davis area yeah yeah yeah, let me living with okay yeah ministry people so i know a lot of people even call it like ministry houses right because you just live again with your church people so it's like a really tight-knit community which i i think is like super important for for not only like believers that have been a part of the church, but um, I, I think it's really powerful seeing like college students that have never met God before and they're, you know, completely like unaware of the belief and then, you know, come to like an environment like college um, and then start making friends and, you know, meeting people that go to church and then that invite them to church. And then, um, you know, the whole idea of what like on campus ministry outreach is you know, going out Mm -hmm. there tabling and like evangelizing um, is I think really important because um, at an age, I guess, like mine um, and in the younger years, like, I guess it's like the most crucial time to figure out what that is before you hit that, you know, young adult life stage again, where, you know, work becomes your whole schedule. And then um, like weekends or, you know, one, one day of the week, Mm-hmm. is really like the only time you have for church but college is like that like you said that non-stop um all day pretty much all day every day like you know through the nights yeah. like you know prayer night or you know worship night or even just like study fellowship like you, you're up till like 3 4 a.m just with your church buddies um i think yeah it's like a really really important time that people overlook once they're once they're out of but um yeah i mean jung what was what was your experience like like i know you had a bit of a different background in Sacramento um, with like your college time, you'd say. In terms of ministry? Yeah, I guess in the church, but how is it different then? I spent most of my life um, or most of my time in community college because I, for the longest time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so just to give you perspective, I think it took me like, about eight years to transfer out of community college. <laughs> and for a while, I was like, why am I still here? Mm-hmm. And there were multiple times where I decided to, or I was thinking of just kind of dropping school altogether because I felt like it wasn't going, it wasn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day I had an opportunity to um, go to Turkey for a mission trip. Um, 
and <clears throat> I won't mention the mission organization. <laughs> However, um, because it's kind of a well, what is it controversial? controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but regardless, uh, I got uh, I got a opportunity to go, and I went there for about three weeks, about in Turkey, and then after I came back, um, you know how they like talk about retreat high, mm-hmm. but. Mission high is also another different high that's very real, right? You come yeah, back yeah. to your home country and then there's like a super culture shock where in the mission field, you wake up every morning, you know, have a prayer meeting and you guys like go out there, um, preach the gospel and, you know, you get persecuted and whatnot. And then you come here and then your life is like go back to the ordinary and mm-hmm. you, a lot of kind of missionaries, they kind of spiral out. Right, they're like, oh man, what's the meaning of all this? Like, what's the point of all this? Um, and for me, it was, what's the point of me being in community college still? Like, what's the point of me still going to college and stuff? And at the moment, I was fired up. Like, I want to, you know, continue preaching gospel to like the Middle Easterners, right? And right now, speaking back, it's a little silly because <clears throat> you should be speaking you should be preaching to everyone that you meet really. But mm-hmm. um, because at the moment I had that target group, like in my mind and had to be like people outside of America or I had that kind of vision. And because of that, I was too fixated on that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I was in a really contemplation. And then um, around that time, my church also decided to split up because of internal politics, right. um, offering-related issues. So church split up, and so we were no longer meeting for uh, prayers, or we were no longer having fellowship. <clears throat> and so I felt very empty. Um, and one day I was going, maybe you recognize Ted, because you also went to ARC for a time. Um, I went through a chemistry department and in the chemistry department there is this computer lab section where it's just a room with a bunch of computers and there's this really long whiteboard on the wall and when i sat there i looked at the board and i distinctly remember um, it was a couple students coming together and start writing their name in english and then they will write their name in their own mother language and what blew my mind was there was about 30 different languages. Um, all these different students coming from all these different backgrounds. There were names written in Hindi, right? Um, uh, Korean, Japanese, Chinese, like Russian, like Spanish, and like all the way to like it's um, Arabic, you know, Turkish and all that. And that was a realization for me that wow like community college is such a melting pot for like so many different people from like so many different backgrounds and that for me to be sitting here and complaining about oh i should be out there in the mission field preaching the gospel it's like i'm called to be here where i'm at right now to be serving where i'm at um and that's when I had a huge like realization about like serving where you are called to at the moment, right? 
And that's when I started <laughs> preaching the gospel to like my friends, like uh, study groups and stuff. And uh, I'm a I'm a STEM major, and there are like a lot of late nighters, all nighters that we used to pull. And mo, actually, I didn't hang out with any of my like. None of my school friends were quote unquote Christians, right? And Ted, you're saying that you only hang out with like a bunch of um, people from church, but because I didn't have a church at the time, uh, all my friends were my school friends, and a lot of them were uh, they didn't know God. But it's wild now that I think about it, because like, there was this dude named Gabe. I'm just dropping his name. Um, I remember Gabe. <laughs> you remember him? Did I tell you about him? Yeah, we met at Sac State a couple of times, right? No, that was James. Oh, my bad. My bad. Yeah, yeah Gabe. <laughs> Different guy. Um, Gabe, he didn't believe. He wasn't. He wasn't a Christian. He didn't go to church or anything like that. Um, and then, but one day he saw a turkey keychain on my keys, and he's like, "Oh, why do you have that? It's like super random. You're not Turkish." I'm like, "Yeah, um, I went there as a mission trip." And he's like, oh, what's a mission trip? And then we started talking about it. And he's like, oh, so you're a Christian? And I would share him a story about the gospel, right? I would preach, I would speak to him about the gospel. And then he's saying, oh, I went to church when I was like really young, but uh, I stopped going because I had my doubts and I don't think it's like real or anything like that. And for whatever reason, like one thing led to another and we started like reading the Bible at the cafeteria, like in between classes. And we read <laughs> we read the book of John together and then like other and then he would like reach out to me. It's like, hey, so I was reading the book of James on my own and like it's this stuff is fire, bro. I'm like, yeah, dude, it is fire. <laughs> it's pretty convicting. <laughs> it's great. And we started reading together and fast forward, he got married and he got baptized. Ooh. and he invited me to the wedding and it's so weird like because he's supposed to be the honoree because <laughs> he's the groom but he in the mid uh during the reception he calls my name with the microphones like yeah like he's the reason why like i was able to find god and like it was a very emotional moment <laughs> and they got married and now they're living in oregon i have to visit him but yeah, it all started because of community college. And I think God definitely placed me there. Uh, and Gabe is just one of many people that I preached to, uh, mm. shared gospel to. But I would not regret anything. Although I will say I do want to live, experience that dormitory life. I, mm. wish, I, I wish I did. I think that's a different style, being so tightly connected with your community like that. But in terms of my experience, that was my college experience hmm. in ministry. Yeah, I had a pretty short-lived dorm life too um, <laughs> in my freshman year. But after coming home, this is this is interesting because like in a recent like college Bible study we had at our church, like um, one of the, it was a topic. Um, so the study is called like Jesus in our generation, and like one of the lessons that we went through was like race in the church. And like, I think the point of the lesson was to kind of like focus on that, like, you know, the church should look like the world kind of, and like be embracing like all kinds of different cultural backgrounds and, you know, kind of opening their doors to like 
every race in the world, I guess, you know, the way like God views his people, not just like, you know, Koreans view Koreans or like white people with white people. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we straight off in, into the conversation because you know, we were having the Bible study as a Korean church, like with only Korean people there. Mm -hmm. um, and like same thing, like you said, for like DKC, I know even they're still alive and well uh, today. And there's a lot of people at, at MSM. Um, they're a little mixed, right? They have like Chinese and non-Koreans. But um, what, what do you think of like, I guess the question that we kind of brought up was like, like, why is it that like Korean churches kind of exist besides the fact of like cultural connection or like, I guess, like what's like the advantages and like disadvantages of like having like a Korean based church or like a Korean named church, do you think, or in your experience, like how does that help, um, you know, someone kind of walk in their faith if they're in a Korean church, you know, let's say. Mm. so that's a question and it's one of those things where it's like it's a matter of opinion right mm -hmm. uh in my honest opinion i think having ethnic churches is not wrong because i know we are in a place where it's kind of like a, a hipster move to be multi-ethnic and to really push for that and in my limited experience with multi-ethnic churches very few churches are actually multi-ethnic they might have like the one like if it's an asian church they might have like the one white guy or black guy or mexican and it's like and they and they label themselves multi-ethnic because like that's mm -hmm. just because you have one race of one person that's of a different race doesn't mean you're multi-ethnic in my opinion yeah um i think a church becomes multi is going to start leaning towards multi-ethnic when the leadership looks different because I, I see a lot of times with churches that say that they're multi-ethnic, but at the top, it's literally all one, one ethnicity. Mm -hmm. the, if you're really going to be about it, I think you need to start from the top down. And I'm not saying you should just pick people based on their race. Obviously, it's based on their calling, um, based on their qualifications as well, and also like prayer, right? Mm -hmm. But it needs to be top down in my opinion and if you want to go into multi-ethnic direction but the reason why i think ethnic churches will never really kind of die out um even though some people actually advocate for it which is a little strange to me um the reason why i think it, it, it serves a purpose because there are going to be people who uh are naturally inclined to just be more comfortable with people of their own race not saying that they hate other races but it's it's a bridge to share the gospel with and it's an easy bridge and so why deny that you know people are naturally going to congregate to their own ethnicity naturally um not everyone but i would say on average usually and that's why you have a mexican church that's why you have a you know a white church or a, a african-american or even you know korean-american vietnamese american we naturally congregate with those who we identify with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it becomes wrong if you exclude other people that are trying to join right. your group, right? I think that's when it's wrong. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with people naturally. I know people sometimes look at that as like, that's wrong. I think that's not wrong. People naturally congregate with people with similar either qualities, interests, or backgrounds. And that's fine. I'd rather people congregate with the same ethnicity and 
share the gospel than not at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're not necessarily wrong. It's, it, it, it serves its purpose. Um, and at the end of the day, it's about saving souls, right. Or being avenues where God can save souls through you. Right. And so that's what matters to me at the end of the day, whether we're at, if I, let's say I planted a church if it naturally became Korean, I'm not going to be all like, oh my gosh, we failed. Because for me, it's like, how many, it's about souls. It's about people. If it becomes multi-ethnic, great. If it doesn't, whatever. It's not a, it's not, it's not, at least for me, it's not a huge deal. As long as I'm not excluding people. Yeah, I guess like the argument was made because I guess the reason why they started is literally quite because of that reason. You, you congregate with people um that you speak the same language with so it makes sense that like our parents generation or even before that that you know come to america and they don't speak english that you know they would have sermons in korean in their own language um i guess now in like this generation and it's maybe the the thought of you know do we keep that in our name or is that like even having those labels is that like excluding or um, in a way, like, I think we're trying to avoid that, right? Because, um, like, our name is, like, the vine. Like, we, we're not, like, you know, the Korean <laughs> vine or, like, the vine at a Korean church. But, um, I mean, yeah, we are, like, a ministry that's highly in the Korean population. But we do have, like, a couple non-Korean members as well. It's maybe just those moments where, you know, without the intent to or without even, on like, trying to do so, like, if we're constantly like talking to korean and each other like with each other then like others can like feel a little like left out or excluded in their own way just because like you know they're trying to like just attend to church but then you know we're also like connecting with our like korean community at the same time so i guess there are like little boundaries and walls in there as well yeah Um, definitely i think so for me as a pastor i make it a conscious effort to never speaking korean i'm first of all my korean is brokenness already so it doesn't even matter <laughs> like yeah like i would never i tried not to use too many korean references mm-hmm. um, but you just never know who's in the congregation and on top of that like especially with the naming we're living in such a new era where i don't think naming is ever going to be an issue like on a majority of cases because people come up with like weird names like uh we're wind church you know we're like the rock church or tapestry always nature you know like or catalyst or yeah it's like all right whatever you know you know pick something pick a name you know it doesn't matter you know elevation vertical point i don't know you know (laughs) yeah so everyone's trying to find like a unique name so i I think naming conventions are the least of our worries you know Mm. Yeah, Jung, anything on that that you think? I'm curious, Ted. If you were to plant a church, what would you call it? <laughs> if I planted a church? Yeah. Man, like there's so many name options like P Mike mentioned. Like I think when we were <laughs> figuring out the name of our ministry, it was <laughs> this is like a side note, but like um like Pastor Richard like had this vision um that like he wanted our our college young adult married couple ministry to be like something where we're rooted like in Jesus and like have all the you know the spiritual righteous and everything um but like kind of be 
the outstretching like you know like hand that we can be for for those in sacramento because for the longest time like there's always kind of been like a consensus quote unquote that like sacramento is like spiritually dead um for like high school and up like if you're out of youth group and you're just wandering around sac state you're usually like <laughs> you have no idea what you're doing um so like he had like rooted or like vine ministry but like chanmi his wife was like no like those are so bad names <laughs> <laughs> we were having dinner one day with like Beards Chummy, myself and my sister, and like we're just like, man, like Vine Church, like that just sounds weird. Like, um, and then like I think Chummy or someone was like, What about like the Vine? You're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know why yeah, thank we goodness. that land thank on goodness. that. So <laughs> that's how we got to our church. But if I had to name a church, um honestly, like I feel like there's nothing wrong with just like city and like I guess, what uh, what, what do you call it? Like, like you just have like Sacramento Presbyterian. I feel like that's a classic way to go. Like yeah, these one-worded the churches, acronym route. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. SKPC. You know, that's a that's an OG. Mm-hmm. You can't forget about. <laughs> yeah, straight up, right? Yeah. Um. So, in terms of like where you're at now, so you mentioned that. Um, how long were we at the church at Jersey for again? Ten years. Ten years. Wow, that's a good chunk. Uh, what was like the, um, yeah, what was like the culture over there? Did Did you think it was pretty different than Sacramento, or just because it is a Korean church, like it's pretty similar? Or? Uh, it's definitely so. So I served at a pretty big church. It was a mega church. Yeah. And um, what actually astonished me was when I stepped in like my first Sunday and a grandpa was approaching me, like a random grandpa. Hmm. And I was expecting him to speak to me in Korean, but he spoke perfect English. And I was like, heck? And so that threw me off already. And I was like, all right. And so for me, it was like, you know how people say East Coast and West Coast people are different? For me, I don't see that much. Maybe it's just me, I'm blind or something. Right, but I don't see much of a difference. Maybe subtle, but it's not like major. Like people are gonna be people wherever they are, right? And so, in terms of the the church, in terms of people, it's roughly the same. Um, I think it changes generationally. Like mm. how I, like for instance, what I, what me and my peers struggle with in youth group is completely not completely, but pretty different to what the youth group kids we're struggling with at least in this past 10 years. Mm. Uh, it was, the struggles are completely different. Um, some similar, but mostly like we, my, for instance, I'll give you an example. When I was growing up in youth group, our struggle was mainly um, drugs and lust, right? Pretty common amongst any young group of people, depending on where you are, right? But when I was ministering to youth kids in my time in ministry was this past 10 years. I mean, I did experience, you know, kids who have struggled with drugs and lust throughout, right? But what was actually peaking in the past five years was anxiety and panic attacks. Mm-hmm. When I was in youth school, I mean, at least to my experience, I, I can't speak for everybody. We didn't really talk about that. That was never really an issue. But especially 
this past five years. Um, maybe you guys can test to me about your youth, your leading youth group or even your own youth and young adult experience. Pan panic attacks, anxiety were like a pretty common counseling uh, occurrence. Uh, I don't know, was it, was it different for you guys growing up or even leading? Um, no, I mean, I guess like, since I'm a part of that, like generation, quote, unquote, um, I think like, it's definitely an arising thing. Um, I'm sure John can speak on it more. He's currently serving like, um, as a small group leader in the youth group right now at SKPC. Um, so John, what, what are your, I mean, not to expose your students or anything, but like general demographic, like when people share. Yeah, I'm serving the the seniors in high school, and a lot of them, I would say, yeah, it it they do struggle with the anxiety. Um, it comes down to its competition, mm -hmm. and also the fear of not meeting the expectation, the societal expectation, or the parental expectation at home um, regarding school <clears throat> or other like community service. Everything is competition pretty much and it's <laughs> and when we talk about like oh how was everyone's week 99% of the conversation is about like how stressed they are mm. with schoolwork um, how many exams they had and even sharing their struggles in like how busy their schoolwork is or how much schoolwork they have that itself also becomes a competition. It's like, oh, you only had two quizzes? I had like four quizzes this week, right? It's like, oh, yeah, like I only got two hours of sleep. And even that becomes a competition. I hate that so much. I hate it when people compete about how little sleep they got. It's like really good for you, man. Like you slept at 6 a.m. Like like you won. And it's it's such a like it's such a toxic thing because some students would even come up to me in quiet in silence and be like when i hear other people talk about like how stressed they are how busy they are at school it makes me feel stupid because i feel like i'm not doing enough mm. and that also makes me like not feel good because it makes me feel like oh maybe i am not i don't have a chance right like if it's that competitive to be into this program and i'm not putting that much work then obviously i'm not it for it um so yeah anxiety um it's definitely a lot of, it's a huge topic uh, restlessness mm. definitely is also kids do not know how to take quality rest mm. um, true they get burned out very easily and then but then also they don't know how to handle their burnout either <laughs> and so their their solution to burnout is distract themselves with more work and you just you see it you, you just see it and I, I asked him like yo you good like you, you eating like you're not looking well um they're like yeah just just been working just been school it's okay and so that's a yeah that's a definitely a different meta of a struggle i see for this generation new meta it's <laughs> <laughs> a new meta dude yeah i mean think about it like as adults mm. i don't know if Maybe you guys can either approve or disapprove what I'm about to say or, or affirm. When you ask someone how they're doing, even as adults and young adults, what is the most common response you get? Pretty good. 
Oh, okay, good, good. But what what's another one you think? Like, I'm all right. I'm okay. Just like, eh. Okay. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, because they want to kind of cut the conversation real quick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But do you guys ever hear this pretty like common? I hear this quite often with people that I, especially adults. I say, "How are you doing? I'm busy." That's like the number one thing I hear all the time from now students to young adults to adults. I'm busy, and just like John, I, I really re resonate with what you said because I think we are in a place in culture right now where. busyness is our idol oh you're not busy and then when you feel then someone says when you get that vibe right like wait am i not doing enough you know it's like Yeah. we're living in this culture we don't realize it yet for i think majority of people but we're worshiping busyness and wearing it like a badge like look at me oh you had five tests well look at me i had 10 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a struggle. It's like the struggle suffering Olympics. Like who can do the most suffering? <laughs> yeah. who can do the most <laughs> oh, suffering? man. That's <laughs> so true, though. I That's have why a gold I'm laughing. Yeah. I have a gold medal in suffering. You know, it's like, okay. Mm Oh, look, I only slept one hour. All right. Well, I slept eight. I feel good. <laughs> you -hmm. <laughs> yeah, like why can't that be the normal nowadays? know? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing is because we're 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 in this system right now where obviously you work hard, right? Obviously you got grind. Um. But we're coming to a place where we almost, without knowing it, subtly look down on people that are not busy. Like, even for me, I'm tempted when I hear someone say, I'm busy. How are you doing? I can't, I can't be like, I'm doing okay. I'm just chilling, you know? If I say I'm hard chilling, it almost equates to I'm lazy. You know what I'm saying? You get that vibe. And I had to really tell myself, it's like, what's wrong with chilling sometimes? It's okay, it's okay to not be busy. You know, you're going to be busy, but it's not like, it's almost like we measure each other on the level of busyness and how tired we look, right? Or oh, if you do your morning commute, you look at people on the bus, this person looks, he must not be working because he looks too happy. You know, <laughs> just like, we got to let go of that. It's an idol and we don't realize it's an idol. What do you think is like a first step in getting rid of that idleness or idolatry, not idleness? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it depends on what it is Mm specifically, -hmm. but because everyone has like their reason, right? Right. Uh, I think it needs to start with a healthy balance of knowing when to say no. I think, okay, especially in ministry, right? I don't know how, what your guys, and maybe please tell me your ministry experience after I say this, because I want to hear. How many times has it been that few people who are actually serving in the trenches end up saying yes to everything. And next you know it, they're doing, they're somehow doing leading praise while doing PowerPoint, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? While doing admin. And next you know, they're doing Bible study and then they're, and they're driving the bus for some reason, right? It's like knowing, having these healthy boundaries, like, no, I can't do this, but I can do this. I'll do my part. And we need to develop this culture where everyone plays a part in the system, right? It starts to unravel when, oh, I just, uh, 
when we have this consumerist mentality when it comes to church. Oh, I come to service and I just get my blessing and I go. No, you gotta you gotta be a participant in service. You don't passively just enjoy it. Um, you definitely can enjoy it, but you gotta be. It's like this participation aspect to it, right? And learning how to realize that no matter how hard you work, at the end of the day, like your life is really not in your hands. Anything can happen. Like you guys know the story about Jeremy Renner, Hawkeye. Yeah. The dude was like fighting. For, he might lose his leg. Yeah. Over like a simple. I didn't. First of all, I didn't even know he was living in Tahoe. Like we could have ran into him. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But like he was just plowing his driveway, and all of a sudden, just one freak accident, and now he might lose his leg. Like, obviously, again, do what you can. But the realization of letting go of that control in our lives, like God. That's why Sabbath is so important. It's a reset. Mm-hmm. You need that weekly reset or you're going to crash and burn. And it's hard for me. I actually didn't take Sabbath until recently. Um, recently being like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that a Sabbath is actually a commandment that is often the most broken commandment that we do as people. When God says, take the Sabbath, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. But we see we see it as a suggestion. Oh, you know what? If I if I can do it, well, I'll do it. No, we're he commanded us to take that Sabbath. Why? To remind ourselves our life is ultimately in God's hands. So let's prioritize what actually needs to be prioritized, which is fellowship and relationship with God and amongst the believers and people. So, I mean, I don't know. How do you guys feel about, you know, being, like, I don't know if you guys are stretched thin or, you know, being pulled out, like, you're just, your plates are fully loaded or, like. Yeah, I want to hear from you, Ted, because you're kind of in that category, right? You you often call yourself the jack of all trades. Um, I don't call myself Ted... that. You call me that. You can't tell <laughs> me. <laughs> you you can't trade. tell me. I call myself what you you. Do. Yeah. You've labeled me. But no, I, I think what Jung is insinuating is that um, I even remember this distinctly. I'm not calling Pure Chat, but we kind of like to do that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember like it was maybe right when we got to the retreat site or before then, um, like the first thing he says to like P. Mike when I was right next to him, Pure goes like, you know, Mike, if you need anything, you talk to this guy right here. He's going to do it for you. And I was like, why are you putting this pressure on me? Like, like, yeah, of course. Like, if you always ask for anything, then obviously I'll help. Or like, um, like if there's help needed, like I, I kind of tend to be there. Um, but for, I think the longest time serving in ministry, and this is kind of like my short testimony, but um, I guess to give some context, like way back ago, in my late middle school years um, going into high school uh, we didn't have a pastor for some time in the youth group and like one pastor left because of like some teaching i guess like he was a pretty like uh what do you call it like not like not not even extreme but like he was known to just um kind of be a little strong on the sermon and like do that uh, the next pastor they had, like, blah, 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 like, it just got kicked out of drama um, for reasons here and there. But overall, like, for about 
three years, three, almost four years, we were without a pastor. So we were bouncing from like the EM pastor would just give sermon on Sunday and then we do our own thing. Our Bible study teachers were mainly carrying everything. Um, but in the midst of all of that, like I'll, I was like transitioning um, into leading worship and um, because like the guy that had done it for a long time had graduated and went to college. So I kind of took up that role. So I was leading worship. So naturally, like the Bible study teachers would like come to me and say, hey, Ted, like, you know, like, can you help us plan this event? Like, you know, get the kids, like find out if they want to come and like, you know, do fellowship on Fridays and organize. So very, very like, yeah, again, just naturally, like I was kind of put into a position of leadership and taking responsibility a lot of time when I think deep down, like in hindsight, like, as you said, P Mike, like I should have just been, and I wanted to just participate and be a part of the ministry, but you know, leading and being a part of it is one of those, like, I think big battles. Um, and if you especially serve in the ministry that you're supposed to be like, you know, I guess fed in served in as well. Um, so that's what happened in youth group and then same thing going into college. So, even to this day, like at church, like, you know, members of our ministry, like youth group, or even like, just because I've been at SK for quite a while and people know my parents as well, like chipsanims or like Changnunims would like approach me like, hey, Ted, like, you know, can you like open the door over there? Or like, you know, like, can you ask like, you know, peerage or whatever? Like, so I, I've kind of been like known to be like a, a bridge of many different things and um i wear a lot of different hats especially at our church so yeah i think definitely i've i felt burnout a lot um before um jung and i have had late night you know talks about just like man you need to like you know like cut it back um and even to a point like and i'll share this like where i was so stressed out and i and i felt like ministry was really becoming more of a work thing um, than serving where like Pirich and I kind of had like a big fight and I like talked back mm -hmm. to him and like, you know, we had to go through this whole like, <laughs> like therapy session with Jung and I at this one retreat because it just happened right before this one retreat that we had. So at the retreat, we we're like talking it over and like, you know, I was crying and like, you know, we're, you know, going back and forth. But I think the biggest thing for me, especially because um, like it happens at such a young age, I guess, um, mm -hmm. that I took up these responsibilities is that I've, I've never felt like I couldn't do it. And mm -hmm. I think that's like the prideful side of myself. Um, and at the same time, like if we're talking about, you know, the ability, um, I've, I've come to learn for a long time that like, you know, I can lead worship. I can do this. You know, I could, I can do admin. I can plan events, but I think you're right that like learning how to say no and learning when to step out of things is like one of the hardest things to do, mm. especially I guess for me, because I've been at this church for so long, um, at least like in terms of ratio of my life uh, compared to others like yourself. Uh, but um, yeah, I think, I think that's like, the same thing that the kids and the students are going through in youth group where they want to stay busy, um, but just at a different point of their life um, with me now as well. It's something that I sort of struggle with. And even as people um, 
like even if we were to downsize leadership and it were to just be you know purage myself and a couple others um i think there's still a lot of like sense that i can't escape because people already lean on me mm. uh, on certain things in certain areas so i've always kind of found it hard to i guess step out because i want to continue doing it for you know those people this this church for god um so even in the past like jung and i would joke like all right let's just move cities you know we're just gonna do hard reset and start from zero um but i don't know i just i just don't know how to like completely i guess come out of things or even balance that that part of my my service i guess you have to train people right yeah like get others get others in and you know get others that's why discipleship is so mentorship and discipleship is like so important that's like my where i i want to keep investing into is because if if the body of christ as a whole steps up hmm. then there's longevity but if it's on the back of like one or two people, it might have a like a meodoric ride. It might be like a, a crazy upshot for a short period of time, right? But it's gonna it's gonna burn out because human capacity is so low than would than we care to uh, admit. Um, I will strongly suggest um, if you guys are readers to pick up this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, and well, I can give you the links later, but it's so it, it gauges. So one of the big premises of this book, it was written by this pastor, and I believe he's still he's still in New York. He might have been retired by now, but he was saying that one of his big thing was you cannot say you're spiritually mature if you're emotionally immature, mm. and most people are emotionally immature. So there's actually a test. <laughs> Oh, in the book. Okay. In the book. In the book. And so this is, it ranges from infant, adolescent to young adult to adult. In like most of the categories when I first took tests, and I was like in my mid to late 20s, I was an infant, almost adolescent. <laughs> I was like, crap. How am I leading these people if I'm an emotionally infant person? <laughs> right. And that was like a hard like wake up cause. I need to deal with this mm -hmm. or at least grow in this. And one of the things that they deal with is learning how to say no and help healthy boundaries. And the only way we can do that in a ministerial context is that we need more hands, right? Because if let's say all the leadership just bounced, we're screwed. There's no one there. So that's why that's that's why you, you and I may or Jung and anybody will have this tug like we can't leave. But then we have this dilemma of like, do we not trust God, right? And that's why like discipleship is such an important thing is because we need to develop this culture of developing and passing on, developing and passing on. And once the body rises up, then we start thinking about decades of growth, decade visions, which I, I feel like, and this is my only disclaimer to pastoral leaders. I know everyone's going through their own ish and God has like a different plan for whoever, but I'm a firm believer that if you serve somewhere you got to be willing to go the long haul and i'm talking almost 10 plus years hmm. just like you guys I, I, maybe i don't know about your job because you didn't really talk about it but like 
I went through like four or five youth pastors in my time at SK. That's so disruptive at that formative years of a, of a, of a young person's life. Yeah. To have that instability is not good. And so especially in youth ministry, and not just youth, but even like young adult, adult, that rock consistent presence is so crucial for longevity. And that's why I, whoever I end up like discipling in terms of like pastoring, I'm like, hey, I don't really, wherever God calls you, God calls you, right? And if God, for whatever reason, pulls you out, fine. I'll honor that, right? Because it's God. You don't want to go against God, right? But be honest with yourself. Is it really God or is it you? And ask yourself, did God really tell you to leave when he asked you to plant? Because as much as, as much as it takes faith to leave, to go somewhere, it takes also faith to stay somewhere and just root. And so that's a question we all got to wrestle with, you know, in prayer. What do you, and sorry, John, I'll let you kind of talk about your experience in a second. Like, what do you think, Pastor Mike, then of not just the pastors, but the others leader, other leaders surrounding the ministry? Um, I guess not really like, is there like an expectation of how long they should serve? But if they step in, if they te- take the role and say, you know, I'm going to be a part of leadership, I'm going to do a class, I'm going to join. Um, do you think at all like there's, you know, the expectation that people should stick around as as long as they can? Or when 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 is like an appropriate time to like fully come out of it and say like you know i'm not going to serve anymore or mm. is there any do you have any thought on that um i think it's case by case obviously yeah um but one thing i'll tell people will be don't go in with the timeline in my honest, as best as you can uh, that's and i know some people will disagree with that. that's fine I and mean, we can agree to disagree but for instance, if I came to a place and I said, hey, I only got, I'm only staying for two years, then don't go. Just literally just don't go. I'm not saying God can't do anything in those two years, but I don't like that mentality and posture because it will affect you without, it has a subtle way of affecting somebody with, without them knowing it, that even the way they make decisions, the way they plan. Um, and there's there might be even a subtle thing of like, I'll share you this my first experience as a pastor in Temecula. Um, and I had to repent for this actually pretty badly. And I was young. I was like 22 when I became a pastor. So I, I, was, I was a baby. Um, leading 40 and 50 year olds because I was tricked. Because <laughs> they told me, hey, this is a college ministry. And I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, I come and I come into the first Sunday service. I see three 50-year-olds. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, what, the, what is this trickery, you know? But um, what's very interesting was that I had, very, I had a lot of aspirations to be a, a church planner. And so... And uh, this is not good. And I repented of it and I, I learned my ways. In my first year of ministry, as a 22-year-old passionate young man, 
I was like, I'm going to plant a church one day. So you know what? I'm going to save any good ideas for my ch future church plant and not implement them in my immediate context. Mm. My mindset was always about the future and not dealing with the present fully. I was there, but not fully there. Do you, as if you get what I'm, if you get what I'm saying, and I had to repent hard because I was like, God was like, dude, what are you doing? These are my people. These are my sheep. I know you're doing, you think you're doing your best, but you're still holding back something. Why? Because you have a timeline. So get rid of that time, get rid of that posture and give everything you have in this moment. And I had to realize, because my fear was, what if I use up all these good ideas? And then the realization that for me was, Mike, you're trusting more about your own creativity than God providing you the revelation for what's necessary for the ministry. And so I was relying on my own talent, my own ideas, not realizing if God's the source, there's infinite amount of ideas that can come through, infinite amount of great ideas or creative, creative ideas. And so for me, is I had to ask myself, whose kingdom am I really building right now? Right? And so when it comes to leadership, I don't, I'm not going to say there's like a hard number. Um, obviously, you have to be prayerful, but I think the posture that everyone should come in with, in my opinion, is not with the timeline, but with the heart to say, I'm going to give it my all. And I'm here as long as God will allow me to stay here. Do thick and thin. Only if God tells me go, I will go. But until I hear that, I'm parking myself here mm. and being part of the community. <laughs> yeah, definitely. John, what about you? I mean, but even like leadership, just because you're quote unquote stepping down from leadership, that doesn't mean you're not going to be leading people. Mm. You know I mean, just because you're not serving officially doesn't mean you're going to stop serving altogether. Um, yeah. I don't know. For me, it's a. I came to that realization too. <clears throat> And it's so easy for us to depend on our abilities, our capabilities, and what we know. Um, that in doing so, we sort of neglect the seeking counsel of God, <laughs> um, seeking, seeking His wisdom and doing things. It's such a. I don't know why we do it. <laughs> like why do we naturally tend to like neglect uh seeking god's wisdom or his guidance but we're so easy to just rely on ourselves um, yeah sorry what was the question <laughs> like your experience in serving like remember i was talking about kind of my background mm -hmm. and you know it's funny i don't know if i shared this with you Ted, but before i came to sk <laughs> I was in your shoes. Right. Right. I was the <clears throat> jack of all traits. And because of that, like even, you know, worship leading, right? It's such a, it's a cliche at this point. Um, like, how'd you start leading worship? Oh, we needed a worship leader. So they just kind of threw me under the bus and I had to like teach myself how to play the guitar. And here I am. Right. And I think in my old church, I had to really do everything, 
right? Like from PowerPoint to worship leading. Um, I had a like a little clicker in the front of the stage and I would like put it by my foot and I would like step on it to like go to the next slide. Dude, no That's way. Next You're the actual example That's that he might said. No you should definitely way, not really? be doing Oh That's my god. And then afterwards, like prayer slide. And then while we're playing, I'll just put everything away, run quickly to the backstage and start clicking on the keyboard. Oh my it's god. Crazy, dude. It's so yeah, and even from like and that's why I think I can kinda sympathize with you. Um and anything like a chief sanim like forgot a key and like they need the gate closed, I would have to drive over to the church to because I have the master key for some reason mm. and I'm only in, you know, I'm only freshman in college. So much faith in me. Um, <laughs> so, so a lot of times it was like me, 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 my ability. What can I do? Um, how can I do it? Things of that sort. And it wasn't until my, one of my mentor called me out and said, you need to chill. Um mm. Because we were planning a retreat and I was I was planning everything out, right? From brochures to like uh, itinerary for the guest speakers and all that stuff. <clears throat> and then also not to mention worship set lists. And he came up to me like, I'm like, yo, I'm stressed out. Like I got so much on my plan uh, on my plate. I don't know what I'm like. Yeah, like everything's just piling up and he's he says you should take like a week off and kind of just just be in the presence of the lord and i was like what are you talking about <laughs> i have no time for that <laughs> like the retreat is in like two weeks i have made like maybe 40 percent progress i have no time for that and then and he's like okay it's like okay all right i'll do that and then like two day two of the week that I'm supposed to quote unquote take a sabbatical, he calls me up. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm good." And he's like, "You're you're working on the planning, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yes, I am." <laughs> like, it's like, how can I, how when the deadline's approaching, how can I, you know, not work on that and quote unquote be in the fellowship? And he's and he had to like come over and like yell at me, but. I'm glad he did because I I did agree to taking uh, rest of that week like off, quote unquote off. Um, and I didn't plan anything and I just prayed and fasted. And it's weird. Um, afterwards, I had like maybe less than a week left in terms of planning, and had my like youth pastor and like Moksanim's like messaging me. He's like, "Hey, like, did you send this stuff yet? We need this thing done." It's like no, <laughs> it's nowhere near ready. <laughs> but I was so much at peace. Um, my mind was so cl like cleared, and all of a sudden, it no longer felt like work. It felt like I felt joyful doing those mm. things, and I think that's different. That's one like distinction between <laughs> someone who treats ministry as work. Versus like doing the work for the kingdom of God is the joy and peace that you experience in doing so, right? Um, no longer felt like like a pencil pusher, right? Or, But it's like, 
oh man like what if we do this song like the kids really love it and it's like start thinking about the congregation start thinking about all the wonderful things that god could use um and so <clears throat> yeah i think that's when i learned how to like let go and in the end um god doesn't really need me god doesn't need anybody to do his what he desires what his will is he's just simply looking for someone who is willing to partner with his divine will mm -hmm. and you can't achieve that until first you letting go of your own personal ambition or your per own personal vision mm, true. and just rely on him and then he'll use you and give you what you need to accomplish it and so you're doing great, Ted. <laughs> I don't like how this podcast has turned into a, an interview on in my life. <laughs> it always somehow turns that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. That's great. I think that's better in, in a way. I think that's better than just straight idleness in church. Like mm -hmm. someone who just doesn't want to participate in anything, doesn't want to partake in any responsibilities. Because that's some of the struggles that some of the um, students do go through. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just their purpose in church is to just come mm -hmm. and go home. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, if, if you have one side of the spectrum, if you have someone who will forever like dedicate to church to a point like they will neglect their schoolwork, to just be at church on the other side of the spectrum you have people who <laughs> complete opposite <laughs> and it's like uh yes i have school sorry i can't go to this mm. prayer night or whatever i think like we say this a lot and i don't know if it's like brought up as much in like a big church where there's like a lot of resources but we kind of just joke that like oh the you know the students are the <laughs> the members of our church are just super privileged and like, it's because we like people, a certain core group of leaders have been doing it for so long, X amount of time. So, you know, members of the ministry start to think like, Oh, like, you know, I don't need to step up. Like if so-and-so and this group is just going to continue doing it. And like, we know like people think that way probably. So in the back of our heads, we're like, all right, we're all just going to leave now. Like we're just going to go somewhere else. Um, or like even, even when it's about, I guess, leaders bringing up other leaders in, in the group, um, like the whole sink or swim mentality is like, all right, do we just completely like hold their hand through the process? You know, let's say if it comes to like youth praise team or something, do we just tell them, you know, this is how practice should be run. This is how, you know, um, the, the sets should be formed, you know, blah, 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 like devotionals. Or do we just like let them loose, don't tell them anything and just expect, you know, something and just like say, all right, if you guys fail, it's your fault. Like, you know, um, cool. kind of figure it out on your own, I guess is, is, is sort of like the way we're trying to, I guess, figure things out at church right now. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, what, what do you think about that? P Mike, like, is there, is there like a certain point, I, I guess more so on, leaders bringing up leaders because you brought up discipleship um and if someone were to be in like a position like myself where I, I guess my thing too is like i'm trying to figure out how 
I can support my brothers and sisters that are also leading with me to not just like take up the work I'm doing so that my load is lightened, but, but really like how can we as leaders help other leaders um, come up to, to always like, I guess, grow, especially if they're like newer Mm -hmm. um, in, in serving. Um, a helpful model is uh, the way Jesus did it. So if you look at the Gospels, um, in the beginning, the, the disciples actually don't do much. They just watch Jesus do everything. So there's a period of time in the beginning where whoever is being the quote-unquote mentee, they just watch the master do it. And I'm using master as it could be whoever, it's leader, whatever. So they, there's this period where you're just watching. And then there's the next step. And this is all going to be relative depending on how things flow. And you have to kind of gauge yourselves situation by situation. But this is the general flow. First phase is watching. Second phase is the leader does it with the, the, the disciple, right? So if I were to do, uh, let's say I'm planning a retreat. In the beginning, I'll probably have some one of them just shadow me. They're just simply observing. Maybe the next retreat, I'll plan with them. Like I'll give them a little bit of responsibility. I'll do, I'm still doing the work majority of the work but they're not only observing me but they're also not participating then it goes to a place where the third phase is now you go do it and i'll watch you and then the fourth phase is kind of similar to the third phase it's not necessarily like it's if it's like it's not necessarily a separate thing in its own but it's like i'm not even watching you just go do it right and that's usually when you send them out to do their own do their own thing, you know, the great commission, if you were. So I think that's a general good progression of how to lead and teach somebody is you, it's like this life to life thing, right? It's like, you don't do like a one Sunday class. I mean, that might be an intro class, whatever, right? But it's like, they watch you do it. Then you do it with them. Then you t tell them to do it as you watch them. And then they go do it on their own, even without your immediate supervision right i think that's like a general good format to do any type of discipleship or training um in terms of what i realize why not just make something that people are interested in doing and make those avenues of places of service like for instance i had a lot of kids that love art so okay we'll make an arts and ministry club arts ministry where it's like they will be doing either prophetic painting or they'll do the banners they'll do whatever right in the beginning obviously they're not going to be making the retreat banners we had we used to make these banners for our retreats every retreat had its own unique banner and we'll send the design to a company a company will print out these large banners and they'll send it to us so obviously in the beginning an adult intern would take care of that but eventually over the over course of time we want to say okay you know what you kids that are in this arts and ministry club, you design something, you send it to us, we approve it, we'll send it. And then they see what they've been working on. And they've had many ex retreat experiences where they saw banners. So they have like, oh, 
this is what we're looking at. This is what this is what we can emulate. We'll talk to someone who has done it before, and they'll show us, and then eventually get to a point where, like, hey, you know what? We will take care of the banners. Just tell us the vision of the trip. Or best case scenario, hey, this is the theme of the retreat. You vision as a team what the banner should look like, right? Uh, AV team, worship team, uh, prayer team. Albeit, I'm not gonna lie, prayer team is usually not the most popular one, but it's it, it's the one actually we pushed a lot because it was so important. Um, we did a, something called an exhortation team, which was part of the prayer team where the kids in this group would pray throughout the week for a particular word of encouragement that they want that God wanted to give to the congregation on a Sunday service or a Friday service because we met on Friday too. And so the way it would be is that worship would be first steps for call to worship, which would be done by a pastor or intern, just getting them ready for worship. Then like a one or two songs. And then a student will come up, take the mic and just share a word of encouragement and lead like a short prayer. And then they'll flow into the third song and then sermon and then ministry time. The goal of that was to encourage students to say, hey, you know what? It's not just the pastor that can hear from God and give a word. Any of you guys can. So let's give you a space where you guys can exercise that. Obviously, it's supervised in the beginning or throughout. Just like people say some crazy things, right? Heretical things. Right? Then it's like, oh, my gosh, we're screwed. <laughs> but it's like providing the space and avenue for them to exercise these these desires or these uh, interests. And so I think that would that ministry groups coupled with that discipleship training pattern, it's going to take time, but I think it will bear fruit. Hmm. Yeah. Jung, how do you think yeah, do you have any like response to that? Like, I know with you leading the small group and uh, like worship team at youth group right now. Um, how do you think that relates to to what you're doing? <clears throat> how do you mean? Like, is that is that something that you feel like? Is something we need maybe more of in in like sky youth group or oh yeah of course yeah um yeah our theme for this year for our youth group ministry is prayer and so <clears throat> my or not just me really the leadership's kind of shared vision and hope and prayer is that <laughs> we'll have a prayer team we'll have a student mm -hmm. student prayer team and it's like, how awesome would it be to <clears throat> have the student prayer team to go up and pray for other students who are in need of prayers um, and then teach them to raise up the next generation of prayer team. And a pray praise team is also kind of doing that too, right? Like uh, like John, you know, Ted, if you know, but he's been bringing his own guitar to church and he, this is wild, like this kid, did not tell me anything but it's just after service he just goes off somewhere with his guitar and i didn't at first i didn't bother asking him but then later i found out he's been teaching one of the seventh graders how to play the guitar so that that seventh grader could 
take over the praise team when he graduates high school and goes off to college. And it's like, why didn't you tell me? It's like, oh, I thought it was my responsibility as a praise leader. Okay. Next leader. <laughs> okay. It's like, you don't even come out to practice consistently. But but yeah, that's that was you know, it there there are things like that. It's like super encouraging. And we just want to take this theme of prayer and we want to expand on that to other students and give them the opportunity to um practice it really. Um yeah, be more an initiative, take more initiative in our ministry. What about in Vine sense, Ted? Vine? Mm. Um, I guess one thing that we're kind of struggling with is uh, in terms of the leaders, like we have groups, we have like a in-reach, outreach group, um, worship um admin but we we all sort of like because we're still like a smaller ministry like we all sort of just do everything always like together um even if you're on worship team and you know you're expected to go to practice and all um you know they're still helping us plan events and you know doing doing outreach as well um like at college campuses and everything so i think one thing that our leaders kind of struggle with is uh i guess in the midst of all of that um is still finding time to to grow and to walk in their own faith with god um not to say that like people aren't doing that at all but because everyone in leadership is sort of taking up you know similar to how i shared my background is like taking up a lot of hats, doing everything for everything. Um, it kind of causes a little bit of like a lack of time to meditate and I guess focus more like in smaller settings um, to, to yeah, like grow as a leader. And I think, um, and as an individual, of course, and I think that's my, my biggest thought nowadays is, how can I, I guess, because these are all like, you know, college students. These are all people that, you know, are the same age as me, um, same, similar background as me. Um, and we're all still trying to learn, you know, together mm. at the same time, like le lead the ministry um, and, you know, do things for the ministry. So, um, you know, I, I see it in them a lot that the, the struggles that I go through, I went through, um, is in them so i guess my big thing is trying to figure out how i can better support them better you know be with them so that none of us like feel like completely burnt out and see it see it as work i guess uh, just because there is a lot of quote unquote work to do um a lot of heavy lifting i guess just because we i guess we're not at the capacity where worship is just worship team and outreach is just outreach team, but we're all sort of doing things together because we're still like a smaller group of leadership and for a smaller, I guess, ministry at the same time, right. which I guess happened. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, P Mike, is there, uh, I know you're, you said you're kind of like on your 
sabbatical in a way um, and break right now. But is there anything in the foreseeable future that you might think God's calling you to? Or like, what no. do you think is next in this new year? I don't know, to be honest. Like, I think several opportunities were presented to me as of late. Um, and I have to literally just pray through them and see where the Lord lands me. I think for me, I'm even debating what what is ministry for me going to look like? Is it going to be what I'm used to, which is being a pastor at a location? Mm. Or am I going to be just picking up a, a nine to five uh, and then just attending a local church and serving there while creating an online platform for Christian content? You know, that's I think that's where uh, I want to, I'm really slowly growing passionate about where I help build content or structure for churches that may not have enough resources to do, or the leaders are just at their wits end and just needs help, outside help. And I'm willing to do that. And so I'm kind of entertaining what that can be. I don't know exactly. Mm. Uh, I'm leaning probably more towards going back to a traditional sense but with the nine to five being bivocational, mm. but we'll see it. I said, God, like wherever you want me to go, even though it might be hard for me to go, because if I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable, I'm, I'm in a stage in my life where I'm tired of moving. Mm. I, and I just want to settle down. Mm. I want Ever since I accepted my calling, I got kicked out of my house. I got disowned by my parents. I mean, we're good now. But uh, when I initially accepted my calling, I got disowned. I kind of lost that semblance of home. Mm. I didn't have a home ever since then. I was always moving around. And when you're young, it's kind of okay. You kind of like roll with the punches. You don't really think too much about it. But as you get older, I'm sensing that I want to plant more and more. Whereas in my youth, I'm like, you know what? Let's keep moving. Let's see what the next big thing is. But now I'm like, let's plant. Let's build a legacy. Mm-hmm. Let's build a lineage, right? And so for me, I'm in a stage where I, I kind of want to settle down somewhere um, uh, and settle down in life at that point too. But who knows? I mean, God's like, you know, forget that. You're not settling nowhere. I'm like, all right, whatever, God. What you got to do, you know? <laughs> So it's like, obviously, whatever God wants, but that's my honest heart's desire right now is to kind of like start settling down, not stop ministry, obviously take it to the next level, but in terms of life, I guess. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Yeah, Jung, any, any final remarks questions or things as we close here be interesting if god calls you to youth ministry again huh? <laughs> okay okay all right, all right, all right. <laughs> don't speak that over me right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, i'll take this out okay i don't it's not i hate you i don't i think it's very yeah. important needs the backing but i don't know if i i just feel youth ministry being in the trenches of youth ministry yeah. i think that season's done for me <laughs> do that's like, what purit said too not too long ago as he <laughs> started the vine yeah it's just like 
you know, it's a young man's game. Mm. Uh, it's like harder and harder to like be considered cool with the kids. Mm. If I ever was considered cool, right? It's like the lingo is like this is the thing. I don't know if you guys remember at the retreat. I used a couple of like terms that the kids know, and some of them are like, Ooh. yeah, they kind of gasped. <laughs> I do remember, like, yeah, if, you, was, if you say like, man, like, you know, no cap, like Jesus is all we need. People would just kind of be like, what? Wait, wait. Yeah, I said cap, and I said riz, and they were like, Ooh. they're like, they what? Said, what? <laughs> they, 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 okay, first of all, I said cap, and they're like, oh, but then when I said riz, they're like, oh. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh man, I'm like, like what do you say? Whoa, who is this guy? You know. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, next thing I have to come in like supreme or like, you know, like kids. Yeah. Hey, brethren, what's going on? (laughs) I'm cool too. I'm sure it'll get worse in the next (laughs) group of kids that kind of come in the next. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? When you're youth ministry, it's also missions, right? You have to adapt to the congregation. Hmm. So it's like, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but a mixed response, you have to adapt to the social media too. Yeah. Like, I was Instagram generation. I was able to minister to the Instagram generation. TikTok is, I don't even have a TikTok yet. I think youth leaders need to start thinking about mobilizing TikTok. Mm-hmm. And whatever is the, was it now, be real, you know, it's nonsense. Like, okay, <laughs> or whatever, you know, be real. You have to, you can't demonize it. Obviously never worship it, but you got to utilize it somehow. Mm. That's what the people are using. Be and I don't want to take <laughs> Be real with God. Be real. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, that, go. that would be such a sermon, like like a like a hip. boomer pastor sermon. Yeah. Like. <laughs> there, there was that one a while back everyone saw during COVID where it's like 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 it's like a sermon point. It was like the last one is like Jesus is among us. And it was like the Among Us game. <laughs> just ridiculous it's like Dude, that one white pastor it's so in cringe it's so good <laughs> yeah yeah that's what it is yeah. uh, oh man oh dude that's so good yeah i've seen some i've seen some heinous church signs oh like, yeah like the little letter signs yeah outside. i'm like i can't i want to be mad but i can't no but they're, they're 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 good though they're fun yeah mm. yeah any Anything last, Jung? Or uh, I did want to kind of ask you because you did mention um you do jujitsu, yeah. and you also play games. What games are you into? Oh yes. Um. So when I was in youth ministry, I played whatever the kids wanted to play. So I started playing league, oh. and I left that toxic, I left that wow. toxic game. Yeah. Dude, let me. So I jung. I play jungle. <laughs> yeah. The way he said that. <laughs> So there's one more. Oh, you know how you're supposed to get leashed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember there's one game. I was like, hey, top lane, uh, just help me leash. Yeah. Standard stuff, standard stuff, right? Because I was top. Uh, I was the top part of the map. Mm-hmm. And guess what he wrote in the chat? He's like, he's like, I don't help those who can't help themselves. <laughs> Bash Jesus. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> And Wait, everyone's a random like, or like a youth group kid or no, this was a, a random. Okay, this okay. Completely random. I was like, I don't help those that can't help themselves. Dash Jesus. And I was like, 
And everyone starts questioning Marking, like, what is going on? I was like, we're going to lose. We are going to lose. <laughs> but surprisingly, we won. Oh, man. <laughs> but I was like, that, yeah. in my mind, okay, we lost. If this is the mentality of our top, top runner, we, we're done. Uh... But I left that game. I played a little bit of Valorant with the kids because that's what they wanted to play. I'm not much of a shooter person, but mm. uh, I just played just to be, you know hang out with them. But my main gem is World of Warcraft. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a boomer's game. That's a that's a drug, dude. Yeah, it can't for sure. Mm. But I, I love it. I love it. I am not a morning bird, but in high school I would wake up like two hours early to hit the dungeon before catching school buses, you know. <laughs> oh, You're that hardcore. <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. I know Peerich was a CSGO kind of guy, Counter-Strike kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, when we were in youth group, that was the thing, CS. CS, yeah. CS was it like CS, like Alpha? Yeah, like one, <laughs> yeah. and then 1.8. Yeah, yeah. Those days. It's interesting that you mentioned that, yeah, because I also picked up Valorant because that's what was trending, and that's what yeah. all the church kids wanted to play. I'd like to say on the record, P. Yeah. Rich said he would play with us. He's still not kept that promise. He, he refuses to download the game, <laughs> even back when we were in youth group. Or I guess not in youth group, but late college. Broken though. promises. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, the <laughs> fact that you played, you know. That's some <laughs> anyway. counseling right there, right? Uh, I'll tell you that. That's some counseling. Yeah. It is, yeah, I told this to Ted, too. Here, um, P. Jason, actually, he played a lot of CS. And he also plays Valorant, but because you know he has such time like invested in CS when he transitioned over to Valorant, naturally he's gotta be a lot better. Yeah. And I think like he's second best rank. And like kids learned about that about him, and then like that was just instant bridge way to like building relationship, right? Oh, Every yeah. kid all yeah. the kids go up to him, it's like, Can you please carry me to gold? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly and so because everybody was playing not just the youth kids but also the college kids too mm. um i picked it up i downloaded it was totally bad i was trash at the game and oh, yeah, me too and i realized that some of the kids they didn't want to play with me anymore because i was so bad right and yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I was like, <laughs> okay, shoot. And I was like, yo, Juan, want to play? He's like, sorry, I don't play with bronze. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> and then I see him playing with P. Jason. I was like, okay, I see how it is. So, Dude, no loyalty, dog. That's no, no <laughs> zero loyalty. So, I kid you not, for three months, I've like dedicated to training my aim. No way. Right? I hired an aim coach. <gasps> I like learned the game in front and back and um oh my god i've surpassed yeah, all my he did, do this. he did do this actually now he's like peak plat maybe diamond even ascendant, ascendant now there you go oh my gosh dude that's like if, if i was you i'll be like screw these kids <laughs> <laughs> and now they're like teacher young play with me it's like no no oh. you don't deserve come no, to bible study me. and then i'll play with you <laughs> Hey, that's when you bust out this night. If you didn't love me and my, if you didn't accept me and my, work, <laughs> <you're> 
Oh, oh man, dude, that's dude. It's like you, you should tell that kids, those kids, hey, I need you to all get next to the altar, get on your knees, and repent, <laughs> and, and then I will think about playing with you. Oh man, we have fun, so yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Pastor Mike, thank you. Um, no, it was a, it was an honor, it was a privilege. Yeah, but, Ted? yeah, no, um, I was gonna say because. P Mike, as you brought up, like, you know, online things, cause, um, like with your podcast, um, you said that you have, is, is there a way, like we, I was going to ask as well, like, where do you, what's your platform? Like, do you post on like YouTube or? Right no, now, actually like, I should try. I just don't know. I need to just research how to do it. Go, go into YouTube. Cause I don't have like a video camera. I have a, I have a, what do you call that? Like a, a video thing for my computer webcam yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm I'm losing my mind i'm a boomer (laughs) but i have a i have a webcam because it it was funny one of my old users tried to convince me to be a twitch streamer and so i bought the (laughs) like for for sermons and stuff or kind of like doing oh no nothing holy at all oh like games (laughs) like league (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i was like all right so i got this webcam and i don't even use it now because i was like Mm. you know what i don't think the church elders would like this so I couldn't put a stop on it. But now you don't but have I to had the hardware. That. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to figure out how to transition to video. But I do uh I'm on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google. Okay. Um just strictly audio at the moment. But I'm trying to learn how to transition to video this year. I actually do a soft restart with my podcast this year. Oh yeah. What what's the name, by the way? We never caught. Uh it's holy Numa. I, I get I get flamed for this. I was like, I thought it was cool, but I guess it's not. It's one of those hipster names now. It's Holy Numa. Yeah, Numa Spirit in, in Greek. Oh, yeah. That's um, one of the name, yeah. Or when it's P-N-E-U-M-A. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's also the word for air or, you know, pneumatics. Right, new. So it's, it's the, it's, it's, I thought it was cool, but I guess people were like, hey, this is not cool. I was like, <laughs> I Wait, was it your youth kids else? that roasted you? Or like, Former like, youth, they're like, they're yeah, like yeah. young adults now. They're like, dude, oh. this is Mike, this isn't cool. I was like, well, it's a little too late now. <laughs> okay, Holy Numa. Well, have yeah. a, our, our follow the there. podcast on Spotify. Holy Numa, P N E U M. It's literally a black background with a white word. Holy <laughs> <Numa>. <laughs> I like the fun one, though. Yeah. yeah, one man operation. Yeah, yeah there you go. By uh, Michael King, K A N G. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So follow that. I did listen to a couple episodes on my way back. Um, from the retreat site. Um, Hopefully, you were blessed and not um, cursed. <laughs> I love, I love how raw it gets. Oh yeah, yeah, that's something I can appreciate. Yeah, because I literally, so you, you're the way you're looking at my room right now. This is where I recorded. <laughs> Dude, nothing wrong with that. We're in our rooms right yeah. now, so that's yeah. not always me. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, thanks again, P. Mike. Um, always a pleasure. Um, we'd love to have another conversation whether recorded or not with you again yeah definitely. Um, but again um yeah everyone go check out his podcast and um yeah i mean for for your ministry and ours and just hoping for the best in the new year as well absolutely yeah. So, absolutely yeah close it out with that one i i always joke with jung like because naturally like as we record and kind of like serve in the church we always say like um yeah as we close like my instinct is always to pray. 
<laughs> like even in like work meetings as people say like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to end here, but um, we won't do that for this time being. But uh, thanks again, P. Mike, for joining. Um, Jung, you want to close us out? Not in, pr- <laughs> not in prayer, but just just the podcast. All right, guys, this is now going to be a one hour prayer session. Oh, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> if, if worship team it could come up real quick. Extra content <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Another episode of Painted Jungle. Today we had Pastor Mike. Um, check out his uh, podcast, Holy Numa, by Michael Kang on Spotify, Google Play, and all other major um, podcast platforms. Uh, we'll catch you guys again in two weeks. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Pastor Mike, again, once once again for joining us. And yeah, have a good rest of your week. Peace. Peace.